0: everyone welcome to another episode of leadership now with me Dan Pontefrag. today Sylvie D Giusto, who is the wearer of many hats we'll get into that today she helps individuals and organizations explore how people make up their minds very quickly about them or their company and either open the doors or slamming them shut she's 20 years of corporate experience holding various senior positions mainly in human resources at international organizations ranging from 10 to 100,000 team members. Today, she's a professional keynote speaker and trainer. Sylvie uses her corporate experience and multicultural background to help audiences around the world understand how people make up their minds very quickly about them and either open the door or slam it shut. At the core, Sylvie wants her clients to understand how making an impactful first and lasting impression can help attract and keep customers. Sylvie is the author of The Image of Leadership and the creator of How You Impress, an interactive mobile learning platform for professionals and organizations who place great importance on the impression they make. Sylvie, it's so great to see you again. Thanks for coming on with me. It's my privilege and pleasure. Um, First question, obviously, there's a lot to talk about leadership and brand and image, not just uh, these days, but always. So I'm curious, what actually... Uh, in your mind, makes up a good brand and an image for a leader of today's society?
1: Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me. I wish that every introduction would be as amazing, as passionate, as energetic like yours. So you already made a wonderful first and certainly lasting impression on me. Um, As you mentioned, I'm in the business of first and lasting impressions, and I help leaders to understand what they are, how people perceive them and how they perceive themselves and what impact it has on, a, for example, customer decision making process or doing a hiring process. And so when it comes to a leader's brand in an organization, I use a framework that I call the ABCDE that explains to them why people perceive them and their brand in a specific way. And if there is a gap in the way they would like to be perceived or how they perceive themselves.
0: Okay. so. There are gaps we know, and uh, often I think a leader, however, is unaware of those gaps. So when you are working with clients, etc., Sylvie, like tell us a bit about what you discover or how you approach, perhaps is a better word. You know the uh, the uncomfortable uh, part, which is actually your brand is awful or your image and impression is awful. Here's what we need to do about it. So the delta gap. How do you help us assess, if you will?
1: Yes. So in my presentations, if you have ever seen any videos, participants go through a very painful first, but then fun in the second step uh, exercise where I physically let them experience how they get labelled every day. So they walk to the room and have to put labels on each other's backs describing what they think about the other person by just writing it down with one word. So my participants sit there and have 30, 40, 50 labels on their back, not knowing how the world sees them. (laughs) Then I bring in the second perspective, which you just mentioned is, how would they like to be perceived? What is the one word that should come up in everybody's mind when they think of them, when they think of their leadership uh, uh, brand, for example? And the third component not to forget about is, how would the company they work for like to be perceived? And why is that important? Because they send you a check. (laughs) So you have to take into consideration what your corporate brand should say or does say and how you can help to fill up that gap too. So I always work in that triangle. How do you perceive yourself? How do others perceive you on your back? And how would the company you work for like to be perceived? And then at one point, we put all those labels together and you can find out if there is a gap. Now, since you are fantastic viewers and guests are unfortunately not in my audience right now, there is another way to find that out on my website. There is a free perception audit that you can take. And at least I can tell you how the world possibly perceives you by answering a few questions, takes around 10 minutes. And then before that, you should define your world. How would you like to be perceived? Because some of us would like to be perceived as trustworthy, others as creative, others as innovative, others as kind and caring, others as powerful. And your A, B, C, D, E looks very different depending if you want to be perceived as powerful or as kind. And uh, this model helps you to fill up those gaps.
0: Oh, interesting. So we'll make sure we send people to that uh, when we wrap up the show. Um, One of the questions I had for you, of course, right, is one's perception of their brand versus what I guess the reality is. And it's not just a gap of what other people are saying. It's your own almost cognitive bias, right? Your own attribution error of what you think you are, but in fact, you're not. So how do you work with leaders whom purport to have a certain brand when in fact, it's almost a 180 degree difference as to what they actually are uh, impressionable with on others? Mm
1: -hmm. Well, there is this famous saying, perception is reality, right? Is that really true? And now we say yes and no. Okay. It might not be right, but it is true to others. It is, feels true to their customers. It feels true to your boss or manager. And it also feels true to yourself. I am biased, and so are you. Everybody is biased. And once you realized what unconscious biases might influence the way you see yourself, Or unconscious biases might influence the way others see you, you have a better understanding where you really are. If there is a gap, a huge gap, I think then people will perceive you as inauthentic. So authenticity is very important on the one hand, but I also say that authenticity in a corporate environment or in life is a lie. None of us is really truly 100% authentic. We all play roles, right? We play a role at home as husbands, as parents. Uh, we behave and interact differently. We play a role at work with our colleagues. We play a role with um, customers. So unlike others say or understand authenticity as something like just do whatever you want to do it, be real. I just say in whatever role you are in, try to do your best, best possible.
0: I love that because you've also um, written and spoke about the fact that we, as leaders or team members in an organization, have to quote play the game. And mm-hmm. Sylvie, so the game being right, you you do have multiple potentially multiple personas or brands. So mm-hmm. how, tell us a little bit as you've seen and how you've helped and, and coach you know thousands of different uh, leaders how you have to play the game of what you know your organization that quote you know pays your check. Uh, yes. What they expect versus, you know, how pu- how far can you push that persona or a different persona, you know, in your community or in your family or just what your public image might be. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Well, I'm not sure if I'm married and in love with the word "playing a game." It's uh, <laughs> a role, something that you represent, and obviously, you should always represent yourself best possible. Okay. I always encourage um, leaders you are the most important person in your career and in your role. It is not human resources. It is not your boss. It is nobody but you. And so if you are not in the driver's seat and if you don't control how you are perceived by others, somebody else will do. Because your brand is not what people tell you to your face. It is actually what they say behind your back. And so you only have a minimal uh, a minimal part of it can be controlled by you, but if you even don't control that part, you are losing. You are giving up um the the way others perceive you totally oh and, interesting and so uh, in terms of playing that role in your organization, I find that there are a few key traits. That you have to bring that make it feel easier for you to play that role and more successful really successful leaders in my opinion appear behave and communicate respectful respect first and foremost to themselves because they are the most important ones right, right. and also respectful towards um other generations other cultures the the global environment we work in in the meantime um, you have to be respectful to others the second one professional yes professional looks different 30 years ago than it does nowadays and professional still might look different Uh, in Silicon Valley than it does in downtown Manhattan, right? So uh, occasion is key and environment is key, but I feel that there has to be a red thread that you have to appear, behave, and communicate um, professional. And then there is confidence. We expect leaders to be confident they walk into a room and they are just there and we want them to follow so we have to experience their confidence not just in their appearance but also in their behavior and their communication the decisions that they make the words that they speak because as a leader you want to lead a group of people and if you don't feel confident in yourself how do you expect others to feel confident in you Mm -hmm. and last but not least you must follow by example very often i work with leaders who share stories about their employees appearing behaving communicating either online or offline not in the way that they wish and then i always point out but you have to go first Right? If you want people to follow you, you as a leader have to go first because you are setting the tone. Everybody is looking at you. You are on stage 24-7, 365 days a year. Mm.
0: It's true. I mean, everyone's looking up to that leader. And so there is they, they can be impressionable or not in every single one of those instances or interactions. So Sylvie, here's a tangential but important question, I believe. And that is, you are uh, extraordinary when it comes to image in terms of technology, color, design. Like, you've always been thinking about how you come across, like, aesthetically. And so, I wanted to know uh, first of all, how, what's your trick <laughs> and your secret sauce, but also, how do you coach or how do you help leaders see that, you know, part of your image, part of your brand is actually the aesthetics? And in my case, you know, I love wearing hats. I love wearing crazy shirts. I love making sure that I'm centered, that I'm eye contact. Like, I know those are things that I do, but I'm curious what your, what your tricks are and your secret sauce points are and, and how you help leaders with the aesthetic point.
1: Not a lot of tricks, maybe a little natural talent involved but the realization that humans are visual creatures, like it or not, we just look, right? We know that our brain transmits every second 11 million bits of information, Mm. but only 40 of them actually consciously, the rest is all unconscious. And our unconscious mind cannot be entered as easily with words, with written text, the way to enter it is with visuals. Uh, 90% of information in our brain gets transmitted visually because our brains are actually quite lazy. That's why they take a shortcut through our eyes. Uh And once you understand that, you will understand the power of visualization um, by transporting very simple messages not in a written way, not in a spoken way. It's like a filter that you put in front of you where they instantly judge you on your appearance and everything that they see. And to be very clear, that is not just clothing, right? A lot of people think when I talk about appearance um, with leaders, it's just about a suit that they have to wear. That's old fashioned thinking. Visualization means Your body image, the suit you are born in, what do people instantly see? Yes, the clothing, the makeup, the hair, but also your body language is, for example, something that ends up in others' brains in a visual way. Very often when we talk to somebody on the phone and all we hear is um, their voice, we do think that we know something about the person and we do think that we know how that person looks like are they tall, are they short, right? So a lot of information that is not so obvious visual is also transmitted in a visual way. And when you use those concepts, it will be easy for you to use those elements anywhere in real life, but also online on your LinkedIn profiles, um, on your websites, if you have them, in your emails. And so I call it also a little bit digital body language, the things that we say in between the lines without saying something.
0: Oh, isn't that very interesting? So when you're kind of working with some leaders and you notice that there's a deficiency or there's a room for improvement, what are what are like, you know, the top two or three things that you notice that are uh, the mistakes that are being made over and over again that you like, uh, it's time, time to fix this?
1: Mm-hmm very great question i think the the first mistake is um giving others the power to control your image
0: ah by
1: not caring about it or by not controlling it enough if you don't control it somebody else will do
0: oh that's very interesting yes That can
1: Ignoring negativity bias. Negativity bias is one of the strongest biases we all carry in us because people have a tendency to look out for the things that are wrong rather for the things that are right. And once they identify something that is wrong, they just cannot let go. Anchoring bias is... Uh, kicking in, they anchor that information in their brain, confirmation bias is kicking in, they look for proof. If they see something sloppy on your appearance, then they find the sloppiness in your materials, they find the sloppiness in the words that they say. So not really acknowledging that it often starts with negativity bias, and therefore, it's in the details. Your parcel is like an image that you put together every single day. And certainly, certainly, you cannot control all of them. But control at least those where you have a gut feeling that something could go wrong.
0: That is lovely advice. I really appreciate that. Um, now, both of us are, I would argue, recovering HR, people and culture professionals, uh, having both of us spent 20 years, you know, in that and now kind of out of it, but still helping where we can, obviously, through our consulting, our work, our training, our speaking. What if you kind of looked back a little bit, Sylvie, and you kind of see where leadership was and kind of where you see leadership today, because you've done academy training and leadership development, like you, you know this business very well. What do, you, what, what do you notice that's changed, whether it's for the good or the better or or not? I'm just curious, given um, your vast experience.
1: Thank you very much for that question. I, I spent 20 years in corporations. Usually in human resources was often involved if somebody got hired or fired and everything in between. Right. And what also always was frustrating for me was that on paper, we hired people from the outside, who said all the right things, who behaved exactly the way we wanted them to behave, who looked exactly the way we wanted them to behave. And then after a while we had to fire them because (laughs) of the total lack of performance. And back then I always thought, why don't we use some of our young potential upcoming leaders in the organization for those roles, who possibly would have done that job way better. And I realized We can't identify them because they all blend in right, and this thought has kept me throughout the last years and has so increased that nowadays blending in is not an option anymore. Mm. Same is lame. You need to stand out. You need to be visible. You need to give people an opportunity to see you. You need to increase your visibility level so that others can help you on the path of success throughout your career and get into the position that you deserve to have.
0: So has the uh, pandemic helped or hurt leaders understanding and thus the application of having to be present and be heard and to be, you know, as Tom Peter says, to manage by wandering around. How do you, how do you, how do you see where we're going, I suppose, with that point you just made, Sylvie?
1: Well, you know, I think the pandemic has taught us two things. On the one side, we have learned that there are instruments and tools that we can use to do some things way better and more effective mm. uh, in a virtual environment. And I hope that leaders are going to continue in order to increase their own productivity and efficiency in their team, those tools for the right occasions and for the right reasons. Uh, on the other hand, those tools also explore us now to a world. We are now all speakers out of a sudden, right? We yeah, are yeah. on screen. You are constantly on a team. TV show. So you need to be a little bit careful. Again, negativity bias. Um, what are your surroundings? What do they see behind you? Um, what is your tech savviness in the meantime? Do you still struggle to unmute yourself uh, on Zoom after so many years? The expectations have just risen because all of us are constantly streaming now uh, our knowledge, our lives, our expertise. Uh, into the world, including our teams. On the other hand, I also think that it taught us how incredibly important one-on-one interactions are and that there are some things that we will never be able to do online and that there are some things that only should be done in person. And one of the examples I always share is having difficult conversations. Can you imagine you have a really difficult conversation with an employer as a leader where you have to talk with them about their inappropriate behavior or some sort of impact they had on the team performance? Or even you have to let them go and you need to do things like that from screen to screen Mm. under no circumstances, if possible, would I ever do that? On the other hand, also, if you have great news to share, if you uh, need the emotional connection with them, I would always encourage uh, leaders to bring them into a room and don't use the tools that have become available and so prominent since we are through the pandemic.
0: Oh, my gosh. Okay, I have have two questions left for you. You've been so kind and generous with your time. Uh, The one is actually bridging two of your points you've you've made today about leadership and brand and impression and that is the the digital leader and then the face to face leader and one's brand. So how does how does one prepare for how does one need to be aware of you know um, potentially the differences or are there indeed some some uh, similarities that a leader needs to be aware of for that point where they're digital versus face to face?
1: Well, first, your digital footprint includes your intentional and your unintentional footprint. Your intentional footprint are the emails that you send out, how you show up in virtual meetings, what shows up when I Google your name, what about your social media profiles, what do I find in chats about you or in forums? Those are all all intentional choices you made because you posted them, right?
0: Right, yeah.
1: Also unintentional things that people take into consideration. The frequency of how often you post, the response time, how fast or how long it takes you to to get back, your tech savviness, do you nowadays know how to tag others or how to use hashtags or whatever comes in, right? Those are all unintentional hints that you give as a digital leader. So when it comes to digital leadership, there are not a lot of differences, actually, in my opinion, than in real life. You cannot appear, behave, and communicate totally different in real life than you do online. But there are some technical differences. So first and foremost, for example, I encourage you, you must own your name on the internet, meaning, Today, sign up at Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok. Get your uh, a website URL, because if you don't own your name on the internet, somebody else might. And you never know if you have a very common name, and somebody with the same name as you goes rival tomorrow for not good reasons. People don't take the time and take into consideration that. That's not you, right? And if you don't own your name, I could constantly sign up on platforms for somebody else and just to pretend Mm -hmm. to be that person. I'm not saying that as a leader, you should TikTok all day and Instagram all day and Facebook all day, but you need to own your name. And then make a conscious decision, which is the platform where you can showcase your expertise, your skills, your knowledge, your talents best possible. For many that is LinkedIn. What are you doing there? Is your profile updated? Uh, what about your headshot? What about the header? What about the experiences that you list? What about the about info? So even if you think I don't wanna be everywhere, be at least on LinkedIn and make sure that you represent yourself as a digital leader the best possible. Because nowadays, if we Google your name and nothing shows up, people also become kind of irritated and think, well, <laughs> what's wrong, right? What's wrong with that person? Why is there nothing on the internet? So at least have a profound and solid LinkedIn profile.
0: Well, there's only one, Sylvie DiGesto. Um, final question, my friend. Um, I know we're recording today you're in Tampa Florida but that's not your original home uh, you have you're a global leader a global speaker but you're also just a global human being having I think been born in Austria and, and working and living in different parts of the world so your peripatetic ways I would argue is also informed uh, a bit about leadership and brand so how does your background and all the places you've lived and worked inform, indeed, uh, you know how brand and leadership go together.
1: Well, I always say I'm Austrian by birth, French in my heart, Italian in my kitchen, German in my work ethic, <laughs> and American by choice. So I just pick.
0: <laughs> well, we got we're gonna have to throw some Canadian in there somewhere. But uh, tell us a bit about like <laughs> your different nationalities and how they inform uh, leadership and brand.
1: Well, obviously the leadership style in other countries is quite different and um, I encourage everybody to develop cultural sensitivity. I find nowadays it's one of the most important leadership traits that you can have um, to approach people with respect and differently from country to country and area to area. So nowadays it becomes even more complicated because we have such a global workforce that you really never know with what cultures you are confronted with in the next meeting. So just try to do your best to be culturally sensitive and uh, don't make mistakes. (laughs)
0: Love it. All right. Well, Sylvia, this is just a treat. Thanks so much for doing this. Where can we find out more about you and obviously that free assessment tool?
1: Yes. Uh, just type in my not-so-easy name, Sylvie Di Justo, and it will lead you uh, to my website. And it's right there. Uh, or we put it somewhere into the show notes, which I bet that an experienced host like you has somewhere.
0: <laughs> Indeed, I do. And thank you so much. Uh, just a wonderful articulation of so much packed into 30 minutes or so. Uh, everyone, Sylvie Di Justo, thank you so much, my friend. Everyone, you've been watching and listening. To another episode of Leadership Now with me, Dan Pontifrac.